So glad you're here. I'm going to speak this morning to men, but I also believe what I have to say, share is with women as well. So if you're in both of those categories, welcome. You're in the right place. Uh, but specifically, men this morning. So here's the question out of the gate. Have you ever lost something very valuable and really didn't realize how valuable it was till after you lost it? maybe taken for granted what you had. Have you ever had something really precious and it just disappeared? Don't have any idea. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? I'm going to, how many ladies in the house or maybe men, that's your um, three favorite words. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Are y'all here today? Is everybody okay? Y'all awake? All right. Where's my phone? Have you ever had an opportunity you weren't ready for and it passed you by? Have you ever been careless with something and lost it and realized how valuable it was after you lost it? So, so uh, this past October, um, every fall in the last week of October, the, I take a group of pastors up to a place in Georgia, the cabin up in North Georgia, and um, we go and have a pastor's retreat. And we pray about probably six to eight hours of that, of that day. And then we take a little break in the afternoon. So in one of those afternoons, uh, some of us decided to go golfing and um, some others stayed back and just chilled. And, and uh, so um, Caleb was uh, amongst one of those, um, everybody knows Caleb, works with our youth here. And he was, uh, he was to stay back. And, and so he said he'd make a bet with the other pastors to stay back uh, who won. And whoever, now mind you, this cabin is right on a stream on a, uh, the Tacoa River, I believe is the name of it. And it was like 50 degrees uh, cold. It's like freezing water. And he made a bet that whoever um, uh, guessed wrong on who would, uh, who, who would, who would win uh, would have to cross the river and uh, to the other side and come back. And um, so I want to just wa- show you um, Caleb walking in the river Just take a little. <laughs> Caleb is uh, in the water because he lost the bet, but he did honor his commitment, which is a very oh wonderful thing. What? I just lost my wedding ring. Oh no! No, you didn't. No, it's on your finger. It's on the other. No, 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 no. Oh. I, this, this, this is, it's gone, dude. What? No way. <laughs> <laughs> is he just trying to get out of the No, I think he's being serious. <laughs> so, Caleb crossed the river, true to his word, came back on the way back, obviously loses his wedding ring. 50 degree weather, uh, water, and and uh, obviously you can see that's Caleb in turmoil right there. That That's Caleb looking into the heavens for intervention because he's about to lose his life when he gets back home. <laughs> and, and so, so Caleb stayed out in that water, I'm not kidding you, 45 minutes at least. I, I was very concerned. I told him many, several to come, please come, come in. You're going to die of hypothermia. One way or another, you're going to die. So just come on back to the shore. 
And he wouldn't come. He wouldn't come because he realized he had lost something very valuable in his life. Thankfully, one of those pastors there, smart guy, went and got a Pyrex-like cooking dish, came out into the water and started putting the dish into the water just enough to magnify the, the bottom. And they found, after about 45 minutes, come on and there it is right there, the wedding ring. Super glued, scotch tape, duct taped, everything right there on that, that finger. <laughs> Sometimes if we're not careful, we can lose what is precious to us and not even realize it. And if we are careful, we can keep the most precious things in our life, our entire life. I want to read a scripture to you this morning, but before I do, let me give you the background of the scriptures. In the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Ahab, he's a wicked king, not a good king at all, is, uh, found out that he was being attacked by the king of Aram, by the, men, uh, by the king Ben-Hadad. What an appropriate name for Father's Day, Ben-Hadad. And uh, that was a pretty good joke. I know it was... I know it was a dad joke, but it was still a good joke. So Ben-Hadad comes and he demands Ahab to give them all the gold they have in the nation, all the silver, and all the wives uh, in the palace. And Ahab says, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And uh, so they, uh, Ahab went out, they attacked him in the mountains, and they ran them off. Ahab, Ben-Hadad comes back about nine months or so later with another army making the demands again. And uh, this time they're in the plains. Ben-Hadad thinks we'll fight him in the plains. That way they're not used to fighting in the plains, in the flat soil, and we'll beat him there. And so Ahab again says, let's go, guys. Let's go get him again. And so they go out. And on the way, a prophet stops Ahab, the king of Israel, and says, listen, God is with you. Go and, you know, annihilate. Do whatever. You know, just go and destroy, you know, this enemy that's coming to take out the people of Israel, the people of God. The only nation in the world at that point that believed in one God. Go. And so he goes. And in one afternoon, they literally, they literally kill 100,000 soldiers in the valley. Can you imagine? 100,000. They're fleeing. Aram is fleeing. Ben Hadiat, they're fleeing. They flee to a city. 27,000 people are in this city now that they flew, um, uh, ran to, and the walls of the city cave in on the 27,000 people. So that was 127,000 people that now have perished and lost their life because of Ben-Hadad's arrogance and pride and, and greed. And, and Ben-Hadad, the king himself, is hiding in one of the inner rooms of the city. They dress up in sackcloth, get the white flag, if you would, come out and meet Ahab. And Ahab in there has the, the, the leader of this enemy that had come to wipe them out is, is right there standing in front of him. And so what does Ahab do? Ahab says, you know, let's just make a, an agreement to be friends. Let's just make a covenant right here together that we're just going to be friends from this point on. I'll let you go. You go back home. And, you know, we'll just, whatever I have is yours. Yours is mine. And we'll just forget this even happened. And you just go on your way. And that's what he did. He literally let him go. And so 
on the, on the way back, the King Ahab comes across this prophet. Now let's pick it up in the text. The prophets, you don't, let me just say this. In the Old Testament, you didn't mess with the prophet. You didn't mess with God's mouthpiece, voice in the earth at that time. And so, meanwhile, the Lord instructed, let's read it, one of the group of prophets to say to another man, hit me. The prophet goes up to a guy and says, hit me. <laughs> but the man refused to hit the prophet. He's like, is this a trick? What are you talking about? You're trying to trick me. I, I don't want to hit you. Hit me. He he refuses, and the prophet says, you did, uh, you, did, even though that didn't make sense, because you've not obeyed the voice of the Lord, a lion's going to kill you as soon as you leave me. I mean, prophets didn't mess around. So the prophet goes to another man, and, uh, and he says, hit me. So the man reared back, he struck the prophet, wounded him. The prophet placed a bandage over his eyes to disguise himself, then waited beside the road for the king. So imagine now the prophet's got a black eye. He's got blood running down his face. He's standing beside the road waiting for the king to come by. The king comes by, and the prophet calls out to him, Sir! And he tells him this little story to the king. The prophet does. Sir, I was in the, th in the thick of battle. And suddenly a man brought me a prisoner and he said, guard this man. If for any reason he gets away, you will either die or pay a fine of 75 pounds of silver, which he probably could never pay, so he's going to die one way or another. And But while I was busy doing something else, the prisoner disappeared. Okay, y'all got this, what's happening here? The prophet says to the king, this story, tells him this story. I was in battle. A man came while I was in battle and said, I'm pulling you off the battlefield. I got a job for you. I want you to guard this man. I got busy. The man, the man got away. And so the king responds, well, I guess it's your fault. You have brought the judgment on yourself. In other words, by your own words, you've just, you've just uh, sealed your future. And then the prophet did a Jesus juke on him. You know what Jesus juke is? It's, it's when you, you're, you're having a conversation with something and all of a sudden Jesus turns the conversation on to something else. You think you're talking about water. He talks about worship and God. Come on. You think you're talking about, you know, bread and he turns it and does a Jesus juke and suddenly you're talking about God the Father. You know, come on. Have you ever had a Jesus juke? Come on. Well, the prophet does a little Jesus juke in a sense on him and says to the, says to the king, he says, um, he pulls the bandage from his eyes. The king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. And the prophet says, this is what the Lord says. Because you have spared the man. Because you have spared the man, I said, must be destroyed. Now you must die in his place. And your people will die instead of the people, instead of his people. And the king went away angry and sullen and sulking, the Bible says. I want to take this little passage of Scripture, this little analogy, this little story that, that the prophet shared with the king, and I want to share it with you in context. And I want to give you three things that every man must remember. First of all, that this soldier... In this story, let me read one more time this little story that the, the prophet said to the king. I was in the thick of battle. Suddenly a man brought me a prisoner 
and said, guard this man. If for any reason he gets away, you'll either die or pay a fine of 75 pounds of silver. But while I was busy doing something else, the prisoner disappeared. So in this little analogy, the soldier represents you, men in the house, any Christian for that matter. The person you're asked to guard represents your heart. And the person who brings the prisoner to you represents Jesus. He brings you this heart. So three things that every man must remember. Number one, there's a battle going on. Everybody say, there's a battle. And guess what? You're in it. You cannot get out of this battle. There's, in this story, there's a battle going on. This soldier is fighting. There's, there's, there's swords banging against each other, clinging against each other. There's blood everywhere. There's the, the smell of, 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 of harm and hurt and pain and the screams of pain piercing the thick clouds of dust and orders being given out, move here, move there, retreat here, advance there, clashes of swords and spears, hearts uh, beating hard, sweat pouring down over their face. And you're, you're the man. You, you feel like I'm, I'm in the middle of life. I'm doing battle. I'm, I'm doing what men do. This is what men do. They conquer. They, they overcome. They, they get in the thickest stuff and they figure it out. They take problems and they get solutions to them and they move the thing forward. They move the company forward. They move the family forward. They move the community forward. I, I'm in battle. I've got sub things coming against me, but I, I'm going to overcome because that's who I am. I, I'm a man. Everybody wants to be a man if you're a man. Last week, I had the most incredible thing happen to me in the lobby right here before service. I was greeting with everybody else. There was a group of guys here, and there was a young lady in the midst of the group. She was a granddaughter of one of the guys, and she meant well. She really did. I, and and I, I, we got a good laugh out of it. But, so I shook her hand, and she said, in the midst of all my buddies and my peers, she goes, oh, you have such soft hands. I'm thinking, what do I say? What do I say? I, I, what do I say? How do I get out? And all the guys are like, oh, you got soft hands? You got soft hands? You got soft hands? Like, no, I don't. I don't have soft hands. I, I felt like I could just wanted to cut my fingers and just bleed. I just want to, I got a callus. I have calluses. But you want to be known as a man, right? I mean, you don't want to be known as soft. You don't, you're not one of them softies. So this morning I saw her in the lobby. She came in, she went like this to me. <laughs> she, I said, that, that was smart, that was smart. No more handshakes for you. But can I just tell you, man, the moment you became a born-again Christian, you entered into what we call a battlefield. Galatians 5.17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Can I tell you that there's a spiritual battle going on within the heart of every man. But here's the good news. The good news is Christ has already fought the battle and he's already fought the battle for you and he won and you are now a winner as well. Come on. 
And the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a, a standard against them. I want to remind you men this morning that you have been trained for such a moment as the one you're in right now. You haven't been just thrown in as some volunteer into some flurry flurry of, 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 of war. You've been trained for this moment and everything you need to fight the battle is right there inside of you. You didn't come to the battle with deficiencies. You didn't you didn't come with some kind of a recall on your life. You, you're not broken. You, all the updates that you need are available. You're a spiritual, mobile, nuclear rocket machine. Come on, somebody. That's what you are. I was in the fire department today doing our small group. I was leaving, and one of the guys, he's kind of losing his hair up there, and, and we were talking about losing hair, and, and he goes, well, I'm not really bald. He goes, my wife says it's just a, uh, he says it's just a uh, uh, energy panel uh, to make me the dynamic man that I am. I'm like, I like your wife. I don't know who she is. I like that. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Philippians 4.13, a lot of you have this on your refrigerator. You have it on a shirt. I can do all things through Christ, which what? Strengtheneth me. So you, whatever the battle's going on, you are the winner. You are capable of overcoming and coming out the victor. And let me just remind you, man, there's three ways that the enemy will always come against you. He lays it out very clear in chapter 2 of 1 John. He says, we all, all for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, in other, things, in other words, the things I want, the lust of the eyes, the things, the people that we want, or the pride of life, the power that we want, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. All temptations fall under the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. The, the, all the enemy has to tempt you with, or try to overcome you, or try to cause you to stumble, is one of those three things. And Jesus conquered all the three of those things in the desert before he even went to the wilderness. I mean, in the wilderness before he ever went to the cross. He called, just because he did that, now I can do that. And you can do that. There's not a battle that you can't win. And now Jesus, because he won the battle, he fights the battle that you are facing with you and inside of you and from you. And the good news, the good news is that you don't have to fear the battle because you've been equipped. All you have to do is understand you've been created to engage in the battle that's in front of you. This battle that you're facing, obstacle, whatever's going on in your life, God has prepared you for this. The reason, 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason the Son of God has appeared in your life was to destroy the works of the devil in this generation, in this hour, in this community, in this time, and in this world that we live in. He started a job, now you gotta finish it. Come on, can I get a good round of applause for Jesus? So humble yourselves before God, James chapter 4, 7. Resist the devil, and he will do what? 
He will flee. It doesn't say he's going to overcome you. It doesn't say he's going to pounce on you. It doesn't say he's going to put you in a headlock and a full Nelson. He's, 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 he is defeated. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, so if we will humble ourselves before God, resist the devil, he will flee. So there's a battle we're in. Number two, men, you need to know. There's something to guard in the midst of the battle. Let me go back to that scenario in 1 Kings chapter 20. He was in the thick of a battle. Suddenly a man brought me a prisoner and said, guard this man. So soldiers fighting, he's, he's doing battle inside and he's going after it and he's doing all, he's, he's hand-to-hand combat and one of his commanders comes, pulls him to the side, says, hold on a second, I got, got to talk to this guy, pulls him to the side and says, hey, see this guy right here? You're no longer fighting this battle. I want you to take this guy over there and, and, and behind the enemy lines, I want you to guard him and do not let him out of your sight and make sure that he doesn't get away. Now, because listen, this this guy is important, so important that if he gets away, then you die. You understand that? So forget the battle now for just a second, and I want you to turn your focus onto this guy right here. You've got to, this is your new assignment, guard this man. And can I just tell you, men, your number one job in your life is to guard your heart. Your number one job is not to love your wife. It's not to raise your kids. It's not to show up on your job. All those things are good and admirable, but your number one job is to guard your heart. You gotta guard your heart. You gotta tie this thing up. You gotta put it in a a secure cell. You gotta build a wall around the cell. You gotta put razor wire on top of the wall. You gotta put sentries on the in front of the door of the cell. You, you, gotta, you gotta put cameras on the cell. You gotta put booby traps and landmines outside of the cell. You gotta do everything in your power to guard this heart because the word says, out of your heart flows the issues of life. You have nothing to give if you lose this heart. The Great Wall of China, remember that Great Wall of China? one of the seven wonders of the world, 4,000 miles long, built in order to keep the invaders and the barbarians from the north out of their country. Still there today, many people are aware of that and have seen pictures of this. So high you couldn't get over it, so thick you couldn't penetrate through it, so long you couldn't get around it. The marauders, the invaders, the barbarians of the north could not penetrate through this wall. And yet, in the first 100 years of this wall being built, first 100 years, the invaders of the north invaded China three times. How could this happen? We built a great wall. Yes, but you didn't have good gatekeepers. All they did was bribe the gatekeepers. Got a great wall pay off the gatekeeper, they open up the gate, and in comes the entire nations from the north. And this is what happens, men, with our hearts. If we do not guard our heart, if we don't put a sentry on the door of our heart, 
that all that's in the world begins to come in and at first it may be one wicked soldier or another wicked enemy, but before long they all have friends and more and more until a horde of the world comes into your heart and totally annihilates that which God had made to be good to begin with. I'm here to tell you that God has called you to be a gatekeeper of your heart and you got to be brutal when it comes to guarding your heart. You came to see what? You want to see my heart? You have a pass? Let me see. You're a fake. Get out of here. What? You want to see my heart? Do you have permission? No, I don't, no, get out, get out. You have to be brutal to your heart. In fact, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians. He says, I strike a blow to my body. I strike a blow to my body. In, in, in American Standard Version, I like this. He says, I buffet my body. I buffet my body. But I like buffet better. And I tell my wife, we got to go buffet our bodies. We just got to find a buffet and, and we got to just belly up. Come on, that's scriptural. But you got to be brutal to your body, to your heart. You got to make it your body, your slave, so that after, Paul says, if I don't, after I preach to others, I myself will have been disqualified from the prize. Why? Because you can't trust this old man. I can't trust this old man because this heart is deceitfully wicked if it's not pliable and bendable and in the presence of God on a consistent basis. My heart will deceive me. Your heart will deceive you. It will lie to you over and over. This will make you happy. This will gratify your needs. This will give you everything you desire. No, no, liar, liar, pants on fire. Jeremiah said this, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can even know it? Romans 7, 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right. I can't until Romans 8, and we see that Jesus can. So my, my old man needs to be guarded. How do you guard your heart? I want to give you three things. And we are, listen, Authentic Manhood, it's one of our small groups we have around here. I just make an innocent plug for our Authentic Manhood. You need to, man, you need to check that out when we roll it back out in the fall. You really need to get involved in Authentic Manhood. If you don't know what kind of a small group to be in, if you're in another small group, get in that one too. It is incredible. But we were in Authentic Manhood um, series, 33 series we, we do with the fire department, as I mentioned, every Sunday morning. And, and uh, actually, one of our lessons we taught was right there in that, in, that, in that lesson, how do you guard your heart? Number one, you have to feel, men, with your feelings. I know men don't like to feel. But you have to feel what your feelings are. If you're going to guard your heart, you've got to be honest with what you're feeling. And you've got, to, you've got to come to grips with what you're feeling. And you've got to talk to, to God about it. But number two, not only do you have to feel what you feel, but you have to tell the truth about your heart to other people, other men that you trust specifically. You've got to know what you're feeling. You've got to talk to another man about it. And number three, if you want to guard your heart, you've got to give that truth of your heart to God. 
and say, God, you know what? I'm really angry. I'm really upset and bitter about this or that. I'm really disappointed in this or that. I'm really feeling nervous or upset or I'm feeling um, doubtful or I'm feeling uh, weak about this or that. And as you talk to someone else, another brother about that, and they pray, the prayers of two more gathered together, I'm there in the presence. And if you talk to God about that, and, and if you are just honest with yourself, if you do those three things, you'll be a great guard of your heart. That's just good stuff right there. And number three, and lastly, we have to focus, and focus must be maintained at all times. Again, 1 Kings, our passage, our text, chapter 20, he said, while your servant was busy, here and there, the man disappeared. While your servant was busy, everybody say busy, here and there, the man disappeared. He didn't intend for his heart to escape. It wasn't his intention that the, 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 the guy that he was supposed to guard get loose. It wasn't his desire. He just got busy. He just got busy. Oh, the guy's there. He's, 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 he's harmless. Look at him. He's all tied up. He, he's not going anywhere. I mean, look at that. He's, he's, he's in there. Yeah. I got other things to do. I, got, I know there's a war going on out there, and I know I'm supposed to guard my heart, but it, it's really harmless. It's okay. I think it's going to be okay. I, I'll, I'll work on the car a little bit. You know, come on. I'll go, I need to go fishing. I need to catch some red snappers. Red snapper season. I got to get out there. It's, there's stuff to do. And while he was busy, the man disappeared. While you are busy, your heart disappears. The kids are involved in sports now all year long. We're going here, going there, chasing after our kids, getting them involved in all, all the different sporting events we can. Some, some, not saying you, but there's some people that actually live their childhood through their own kids. Working 60 hours a week, head of this committee, part of that club, out of town here, out of town there, got a project to get done here, entertaining the friends there, got to get the yard all fixed up for some people coming in, out of town here, got to get the obligations taken care, too busy, just too busy. And over time, the heart gets hardened. The heart gets hardened. I, I don't know about you, but I grew up in... On one side of our family, we'd have these family reunions every, every summer. I loved the family reunions because I had lots of cousins and we just had lots of fun. We were all about the same age. And, and I, I remember one time, one of the family reunions, I was 13 or so years old and uh, old enough to kind of figure out what was going on. And, and uh, it was the middle of the weekend, usually around the July 4th weekend. It was a weekend and, and it was a Sunday morning and I got up to play with my cousins, and uh, I saw three of my cousins coming out, and they were all girls dressed in dresses. And then their mom and dad come, and they were dressed up. And I said, hey, what y'all doing? They said, we're going to church. I'm like, oh. I didn't say nothing. My aunt my uncle walked 
in. They got some coffee and said hi to everybody and said, we'll be back in a couple hours. I heard someone, one of my other aunts say, well, it's a family reunion. You can't just, where are you going, where are you, we're going to church. You just, come on, you don't even live here. It's just, you're from out of the, you, you don't even know even where to go. Why, why, just, just be a part of the family. Be a part of the family. I was like, that's a little rude. And they left. And while they were driving out the driveway, I was listening to my aunts and uncles talking about them as they drove out the driveway. Tell you what. They got to get their priorities in order. <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm not, I don't know anything. I don't know what's really right or wrong here. I'm just listening to them talk. Come all the way, spend time with us, but yet they can't just take two hours. You can go to church any time of the week. You can go anytime you want. You can go anywhere you do, but not now. I remember that. They came back a couple hours later. Y'all jumped in the pool together. Had a lot of fun. 30 years later. It's interesting. I look at their family now. They love each other. They love God. They're teaching Sunday school in their churches. They go on mission trips, raising their children to love God. Other aunts and uncles, their children, but them? I appreciate the fact that my uncle guarded his heart. And he didn't allow himself or others to get too busy. I'm not being legalistic. I mean, I understand, you know, I'm just saying I saw something that caught my attention. I saw a man and a woman leading their family where there was something that was very valuable to them. And I saw the payoffs. How busy are you, men? How busy are you? I see all the time, people, man, they're messed up, they come, they come to Christ, they give their heart to the Lord, God restores, God redeems. Man, suddenly they come alive, they have purpose. Then they're involved in small groups. They're just, they're, they're all, they're going after it. Then God's blessing, God's opening up. And then they get a job and, I, and, and, and a good job. And, 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 and I, I don't, I hear here and then I see them then there and maybe every other week and every third week and every once a month. And then, and then where's so-and-so? Um, oh, they're working. They got a job. They're, you know, they're just working. And I, if I've not seen that once, I've seen it hundreds of times. God comes in, blesses, and is suddenly so busy to forget all about the very things that brought you to the heart of God. There's never been a time where men needed to be more focused than now. You can't afford to make one wrong click on your computer. You can't afford to sit night after night watching R-rated movies over and over and, and not expect your heart not to get a little hardened. You, you can't, listen, I know I'm getting all sorts of toes right now, but, but for some of you in this house, you just can't, one beer, is, that's not going to work for you. W one hit, it's not good enough. 
You're, you're, you're one step away. You're one, you, you can't afford one night out with the boys. You can't afford to be selfish for one weekend. You can't afford to have a bad attitude one evening with your wife. You can't afford to choose not to forgive someone because they called you out at work. You, you, you are one step away. You got to guard your heart. Whatever it takes, you got to buffet it. You got to beat it. You got to say, oh, my spirit is in control. Don't you? Uh, no, not on my watch. Everything you have built can be lost in one moment of destruction. Because if you lose your prisoner, you lose yourself. A businessman traveled. No one knows him in this town. No one knows anything about his family. Didn't even know he has a family. No one even cares. Has a business meeting in the morning, but it's a late meeting and He's got an evening by himself. I'll just go a certain part of town. Next thing you know, he and this woman of the night have a one-night stand. No one will know. It's just a one-night stand. Until he woke up in the morning and she was gone. They walked into the bathroom and tried to collect himself and get things ready for the morning meeting. And there on the mirror, in lipstick, it said, welcome to the world of AIDS. One night, one mistake, one button, one attitude, busy here, busy there, busy, 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 busy. I don't know what happened. He just disappeared. This morning, I believe God is calling our men to rise up and remind themselves, I'm going to guard this heart. Whatever it takes, I'm going to be brutal on this heart. I believe there's some men here in this room. You haven't been brutal in your heart lately. You've been a little lax. And your heart is, is getting out of the cuffs. They're starting to unloosen the chains around their legs. And you're just a matter of days, perhaps even hours, I don't know, of, of totally losing the very thing that makes you the very person you were meant to be. Your very purpose in life is about to be lost because you've taken your eye off the heart. You know what I'm talking about. So this morning, I'm gonna, I'm gonna begin to give, I wanna give a challenge to the men in this house. I wanna give a challenge that today, you begin to rise up and say, you know what? I'm gonna make a decision. 
I'm going to make a decision that today I'm going to begin to guard my heart. I'm going to be, make a decision today that I'm going to begin to, 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 to make sure that my heart is intact. I, I'm going to make a movement and say, God, my heart is yours. My life is yours. And Lord, deal with me whatever you got to do to deal with me because my life is yours. I'm going to have the men of the house stand to your feet. Come on. I don't care if you're a father or just a man. Come on, stand to your feet in this room this morning. Come on. And I want you to agree with me. I am going to be hard on my heart. I'm going to give my heart afresh into the Lord. I'm going to make sure that my life is the Lord's. And I'm going to give everything I have unto Him. And I'm going to ask the men to step out of your seat. I'm going to ask you to join me right here at the front. And we're going to make a decision. We're going to make a promise. We're going to make a covenant with the Lord. God, my life is yours. I'm going to give you everything that I have. I'm going to put a guard on my heart. From this point on, you can have my life. In Jesus' name, I give you my love. I give you my life. I give you my passions. I give you my talents. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Join the others. Come on. Come on. Step on as close as you can. Come on. Yes, Lord. somebody next to you. Can you do that? Put your hand on someone's shoulder, whatever it is. Come on, we're in this together. Men need men. I know some of you here, sometimes you're out and you feel like, I'm all by myself. I'm all, I'm all this alone. Some of us feel like we've dropped the ball. We made some mistakes. Some of us don't feel adequate for the position or the, the situation we're in. We don't, we lay awake at night, we don't tell our wife, we don't let our kids know, but we just wonder, am I gonna be able to pull our family through this situation? And, and we, 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 get, we get lax. Can I, can I just say this? Can I just say this, man? What do you do in the in-between times when there isn't a battle to be fought? What do you do in the, in the slow times? What do you do in the breaks? What do you do when the day is off? What do you do when there's really, you're not engaged in the battle? What do you do in the in-between times? Has everything to do with the in-game? 
The Bible says that when kings went out to war, David stood out of his palace. He didn't go out to war. It was when Samson, in those in-between times, uh, when he wasn't fighting, when he wasn't fighting, it was he was wrapped up in all sorts of lusts and passions. What do you do in the in-between times? That's when you hunger after God. That's when you partner up with other men, saddle up beside them, and say, let's let's talk to, about God together. Let's read the word. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord together. Father, in the name of Jesus, ladies, would you do this as we pray for the men? Just stretch your hands out towards these men this morning. Father God, in Jesus' name, we list, lift up these men to you right now, and we thank you for the battle that you've called them to. We thank you, Lord God, also for the prisoner that they are supposed to guard. We pray for their heart, and we ask, Lord God, today that you will begin to put a watchman around their heart. We pray, Lord God, that that thing in their life uh, that they struggle with, uh, that they'll be honest with you about it, uh, and they'll be honest with someone else about it. Uh, and together, Lord God, they will walk it out into victory. We pray, Lord God, that you will make these men so strong and so vigilant uh, as soldiers uh, that this community stands up, uh, looks up and says, my God, who in the world uh, are these men? Uh, where do they come from? Uh, what is they about? Uh, what are they doing? Uh, they're so courageous. Uh, they're so filled with faith. Uh, they're so filled with integrity. They're so filled with character. Who are these men? Who are these men? Father God, raise up an army of men of God in this day, in this hour, where the world has gone crazy. Let there be men, Lord, right here that have said, here am I, Lord God. Here am I. Send me in the name of the Lord. I believe it. I receive it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus a praise this morning. Come on. Give him praise. Come on. Come on. Come on. He won't fail you, church. 